This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we've probably covered Lysel enough. So, yeah, we might as well transition to this game against the Wild and might as well start right there because that was it, – it's amazing to me how many poor decisions this Bruins team makes in overtime. Like, I think it was only an episode or two ago that I mentioned how, like, every other team seems to value possession in overtime and the Bruins just, like – charge ahead like you know they're gonna lose if they don't score in the first 30 seconds and they just like give away possession on guys trying to go one-on-one and in this case debrus taking a taking a bad shot like even obviously it's bad because he misses but like it wasn't even a good shooting position to score if he gets it on net it's like how like what's going through your mind there? Like, how do you settle for that shot? You know, three on three, it's like, you got to look for openings and, and like seam passes. You don't just charge into the zone and like fire a snapper from the high slot. Like it's, it's wild. And, you know, and I do think Montgomery obviously was asked about it directly and was like, yeah, I don't like that. He missed. I don't like the shot selection. And he also didn't like that both DeBrusque and Coyle were like charging to the goal line. And by the time they turn around, the pucks already carried past them and Matt Grizzlick stranded on three on one. So yeah, just all, all around bad, bad decision-making there. It's, I think it's been a problem for the Bruins in overtime all season, but in this specific case, yeah, for Jake DeBrusque, not good. Well, and you can tell that it's not like they practice that very much. They look like they don't practice it very much because there were times. I mean, they they practice three on threes. I sit there and watch it. Well, yeah, but like something's not clicking with it. It's not like there's certain reads where I I know it's easy for us to say and we're not on the ice and we see it completely differently. But from above, you know, we have a different vantage point and you can see when plays develop when guys are getting caught too deep and like I'm up there thinking, Oh man, that's not going to end up good. And it always ends up in an odd man rush or a breakaway. And there was one point in, in the overtime where geeky should have seen the guy behind him. And the guy, I forget who it was. I can pull it up, but went on, went on a pretty clean breakaway because instead of him noticing that, uh, the, I forget, it might have been Marshawn was going to take a shot. He, he should have dropped back, and that's when that's when they, they gave up the breakaway. So I don't, I don't know. It was, from our vantage point, it looks bad, and the same vantage point that you see on TV. No idea what it looks like on the ice for those guys, but um, sometimes you can see it coming, and you're like, oh, I know what this is going to turn into. 
Yeah, I mean the the actual game winning goal was it was so elementary not to take the shot that 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 DeBrusque did. I mean, you go back and watch it. He crosses the blue line and it's comical. It's comical. The shot selection is comical. The the misfiring is comical. Um, it's like, did you did you think did you think that was gonna go in? And like if you're gonna take that shot, like I said, and I know Montgomery said Coyle and DeBrusque were both going to the goal line, but it's like if you're gonna take that shot which you're not scoring from there. You might as well just get it low for a rebound where you have a teammate at least going to the net. It was just the it was it was one of the dumbest one of the dumbest shot selections I've probably seen. Um I don't want to be, be dramatic, but I probably say in my uh my entire life. Um but the, the- <laughs> you, you've been a uh you know very sarcastic and a little bit dramatic today, Brian. I know it's late, but Yeah. Well, um the one thing I didn't like even more so than that in the game was the Pat Maroon hit on Charlie McAvoy and Scott, I know you were up in arms about this and just, you know, just be consistent is I think that's all anybody's asking. No one's, no one's saying that. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, there's no, no one knows. Well, we all know watching like what, what these, uh, these hits should be. Um, but the refs just don't. And and the fact that a, a penalty is not even called in this situation, is just, I'm not even looking at this with, with, with black and gold glasses on because uh, I seldom do, but it's just like, how do you not call that a minor? Like, it just makes no sense. And then it, what's even, what's further frustrating is like, you look at the Bruins tonight and you look at Minnesota's bench and they got like four or five guys that would, you know, easily, you know, fight anybody on the Bruins team with their eyes closed. And it's just like, it, it, like that's, that's like your, one of your best players, one of the best defensemen in the league. And, the Bruins just don't have the personnel in that moment to really kind of step up besides Frederick, but he fights out of his weight class a lot. So it, it's, I'm kind of like annoyed, not even so much that like the players inability to do so. It's just, it's just the reality with this Bruins team. They're not like, they're not, you know, they, they celebrated the, I'm going to mess this name up again, Scott. What was it called? Something AC club tech lunch club. Pail AC. Lunch pail AC. They've come a long way since, since, since the lunch pail AC guys, they celebrated the other night, but, yeah, now um, I mean now we call it lunch boxes. I don't I yeah. call it, you know, not lunch pail. <laughs> so I, I didn't I didn't like the hit for the same reasons that Scott you'll you'll go into. Um, but it, it also just is frustrating knowing that this Bruins makeup just isn't what it was in uh, in years past to kind of help rectify and police the ice a little bit more more when their well, star players get hit. Yeah, I mean so two kind of two things here. first, first off, on the hit, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how inconsistent from night to night, hit to hit, this league is. Because, yeah, that was a hit directly to the numbers. Like, hit from behind as clear as day, like as obvious as it gets. And there's no call. And then, it, it like I tweeted it, and it's, it's like there's a pie chart with three slices. And on any given hit from behind, they just spin it and... Yet a third a chance that it's going to be no call. Third a chance it's going to be two minute minor, and a third a chance it's going to be a five minute major in a game misconduct like David Pasternak got. And it's like there's just no consistency across the league from night to night. You can watch other games and see it, and I don't know. I feel like a broken record. Like I've been on this for a while, and. I don't know how the league fixes it. I don't know if they care. It doesn't 
seem like there's been any effort to clarify anything or take these hits more seriously. So I guess they're just going to keep allowing it until someone gets seriously hurt. And, you know, if someone gets knocked unconscious on the ice, maybe they might start taking it seriously. But it sucks that, like, it's probably going to have to come to that. Um, as for the response, it's a bit unfortunate because I actually thought this was a game where, the, for the most part, the Bruins showed. Uh, you know, we've used – Brian, I know you've used the word snarled. Jim Montgomery used that the other day talking about his defense, especially. Um, I thought this was a game where the Bruins showed a lot of it. And there were two fights. Jacob Lauko dropped the gloves, scored a decisive win, got the crowd all jacked up. And he, he is one of those guys who can fight. And he said this week was the first week he got clearance to be able to fight after his facial injuries. Um, Parker Weatherspoon fought after, you know, he threw a, hit, a hard hit on Marcus Johansson. Maroon challenged him. I think I think Weatherspoon has some toughness, but he's probably out of his weight class fighting Pat Maroon. I guess, you know, good for him standing in there, taking a couple punches. Um, but, yeah, it was like after the hit on McAvoy, it was almost like the, he kind of got the sense that they picked trying to win the game over getting revenge and jumping him or – risking an extra penalty or whatever. And obviously the irony of that is they also didn't win the game. Um, so you, you come out of it looking like you didn't do either. If, if you hold on and win the game, you can say, hey, we're facing you again on Saturday. We'll get you then. Um, but as it is, you, you kind of let Maroon off the hook after that, and you end up losing the game. So worst of both worlds eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, and they don't really have anybody that that can really make Maroon kind of pay anyway, which is kind of my other point. Obviously, we know um, Lucic would have been that guy, but it's just not the, the reality for this team. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just think that, you know, obviously I think this team is missing a little one key – you know, playmaker up front. We all agree with that. And, you know, when when somebody takes liberties on one of your top players, is is Trent Frederick going to be enough, whether that's the regular season or playoffs or things get chippy? I don't know. But I do I do know that there are – I'm not saying this necessarily equates to, to success, especially in 2023, but I personally think it does. I do think the tougher a team is, like, it, it, it does benefit them. And I think that the – I don't think the Bruins are – I, I just think they're a team. I don't think they're any 
they're certainly not tougher than many teams and I don't know if they're any weaker than others, but they're just, they're just a team. And so um, that was evident tonight, Scott, like, yeah, they, they lost in the score sheet, but also they didn't really have anybody to do that. Like Trent Frederick, maybe, but that's even that's that for him. That's, that's punching up a little bit. Yeah. Well, Maroon, most people are punching up to Maroon <laughs> and Ryan Reeves. Like those are, those are guys that I don't think anyone in the league wants to fight. And like you guys already mentioned, Witherspoon did. I mean, he, he lost miserably, and he kind of he kind of got jumped a little bit. Um, but Witherspoon, my, my the point I want to make is about uh, Witherspoon coming up, and we talked about what the depth chart looks like behind you know the original top six defensemen on this team, and was it going to be Mitchell? Was it going to be Laura? I don't think anyone really had Witherspoon on the radar, but he's been playing. I think this three games in a row for him and he has jumped people because he is bigger. He is, I guess, willing to mix it up if, if need be. Um, he's, you know, he's more physical. He's bigger. He, he has something that Ian Mitchell and Mason Laura don't bring. And it's something that the team is missing. Now, can he handle Pat Maroon? We saw no, <laughs> but he did answer to was actually a, a hit that he made on, one of the wild, but I think he's an, he's in addition of physicality and toughness. He might not be, you know, the, the biggest addition, but he is an addition to that category. And and that's what they've been looking for. Yeah. And it was, it was wild talking about him that Montgomery specifically mentioned Sonaro because he said, you know, he brings some of it. And I, I think Weatherspoon's been playing well, like, you know, when he came up, Earlier this year, when I think, I think it was like the when McAvoy was suspended and Grizzly was injured, like he was up for a couple games then. And at that point, to me, he just just he looked like just another guy. It was like, all right, he's he's a placeholder. Once guys are back, he goes right back to Providence. And this time around, like he's he's playing some real minutes. He's kind of moved around, playing with different partners. He's played left and right side, and I think. There, there's some physicality there. I think he's moving pucks quickly. Um, he's obviously clearly not like a dynamic offensive player. He's not going to give you much on that end of the ice. But defensively, I think he's doing the job. And, um, you know, it looks this time around like more than just a placeholder. And, you know, when they keep him up over Ian Mitchell, like uh, – Given how he's playing, that makes sense to me. Even putting him in the lineup over Mason Laura, it's like in in certain matchups, depending on what you're looking for, I I absolutely think he's been better defensively than than we've seen from Laura. He's he's more of a one for one for Derek Forbert, who's you know who the Bruins are attempting to replace while he's on IR. So you know Derek Forbert isn't the best offensive player for the Bruins. He's a guy that can eat penalty kill time. He's a guy that can block shots. He's, you know, Weatherspoon is more comparable to Forbert, uh, who they, you know, who they've been without for a while than Lori or Mitchell is. Uh, so Scott, your, your opening lead was basically uh, just another third period blown game for the Bruins. Now a um, couple episodes back, I, I discussed how I felt like the, the Bruins record being atop the league. Um, I just didn't think that, top to bottom that they're as good of a team as their record indicated. And I think that, you know, you illustrating 
you know, all those teams, Colorado, Florida, Toronto, you, you list off a couple of other top teams where their, their record after having second period leads is pretty much impeccable. Whereas the Bruins isn't um, that little things like that. I feel like kind of are indicative of like the Bruins, maybe despite being with those teams in the standings, maybe just being a step below them top to bottom. Obviously goaltending is great. Defense is good most nights, but um, do you feel that that's an accurate uh, takeaway from that stat? Maybe I, I, to me, I feel like the bigger problem is that they, it just feels like they get too conservative when they have the lead in the third. And part of it stylistically, it seems like they, they sag back. I mean, the second period tonight, like they were playing great and they were pushing and they didn't add to their lead. Like it was still two to one after two in part because, you know, we've barely mentioned him so far, but Marc-Andre Fleury was excellent for Minnesota. Um, was the only reason the Wilds still had a chance in, in the third period. So you got to give credit to him. But even in the third period, is like once the Wild took the lead, you saw the Bruins push again. And and like to some extent, that's na- kind of natural. But to the other, it's like, all right, like look, look at these things. Look at how well you were playing in the second period to hold on to a lead. Look at how well you played after falling behind to come back and tie the game again, at least force overtime. Like why did it get so conservative in that middle stretch at the start of the third period to open the door for the wild to come back? And that to me kind of feels like the issue over and over. And I don't like, I don't know if that's a style thing. Like it is Montgomery trying to have them sit back more. I also think this is where like you could point to some personnel decisions, like, shortening the bench and, and sitting Potra a couple times where it's like, it's, it seems like the strategy at times is just protect the lead and play defense and hunker down. And they're not pushing enough to extend the lead. Um, I don't know that, that like, I, I don't know that it's necessarily that they're not good enough to be able to hold on to leads. I kind of think they're just not, playing the right way when they're trying to do it. Well, I noticed a definite tide change in the third period when, so the brusque drew a penalty. The Bruins went on the power play, didn't score on the power play. So successful kill for the wild ended up pretty much immediately springing this momentum shift where all marks forced to make this huge kick save. And then all of a sudden there's one shift, two shifts, three shifts in a row in the Bruins end of the ice and the wild are buzzing and they're around the net and they're getting multiple opportunities. And for me, that was really the turning point and that they scored the two goals after that. Um, and old Mark had to come up with some incredible saves in the third and he did. Uh, but sometimes the pucks just loose for too long and they're not clearing it out, or maybe they missed a clear in the first place, you know, or to try to get the puck out of the zone. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's a mistake like that, that starts, the the flurry of chances but that's really what what happened midway through the the third period was as soon as the Bruins got done with that power play there was you could feel that's when the momentum changed and in terms of cleaning up pucks in front of the net I I wouldn't say that 
Linus Allmark was at all the problem in this game, but he did take accountability in his post-game press conference, and he did blame himself a little bit because someone came straight out and kind of bluntly asked, um, you know, why why are you guys giving up leads like this? And he said, it's because I've given up too many goals. I'm frustrated with myself. Um, I shouldn't, you know, I should have those. So he did take some accountability there, uh, even though I think most people would agree he was not the issue in terms of why the team gave up two goals in the third and ultimately lost in overtime. Yeah, I mean, I think to Scott's point about the Bruins playing conservative, I think that might be because they don't have the the personnel uh, up front, I think, to score like they did last year. And I don't, I don't know if they feel like they can – they can afford to play run and gun open ice hockey. Not, not that that's what you want to do anyway, when, when you say to play assertive, but may, maybe they just feel like if we're in a situation where we, we have a lead, we feel like we're fortunate because we want to protect that lead now. And I just like last year, they, they played with assertiveness and confidence, like none, like no other, because they knew that they could score. Um, if somebody, the biggest thing with the Bruins last year was um, if they were scored against, like you, the, the Bruins can give up three or four goals in a game last year, sometimes five. And like watching the Bruins last year, you're like, yeah, they'll find a way to get six or seven if need be. And also if, if it, if it was a one, nothing game, like you knew the, the Bruins could play that style too. But I just feel like the Bruins don't know if they have the same, well, they know they don't have the same personnel as they did last year. So maybe there's some of that going on as well. Yeah. Not for nothing, but they had a lot of opportunities that, I mean, flurry was, keeping the wild in that game for a while, because there were some really great chances by Pasternak to almost get a hat trick several times. Zaka had some really great chances. It, they were generating a lot of good high danger chances for themselves. And by the way, that we haven't even touched on them yet. And we probably don't have time because we still got to get to Patra, but that JVR geeky Frederick line was doing a lot on the ice and they were getting a lot of chances for, and they didn't have, many chances against them when they were on the ice and geeky had a few really nice looks and, you know, they were generating chances. Flurry was keeping them in and, you know, maybe they, they missed a few shots wide, but it, I felt like they were going to extend the lead to two goals at some point in the second or, or early in the third period. And it just never happened, but it wasn't for lack of opportunities. Cause I can remember so many that were so close. Yeah. And just, Last thing I'll say before we get to Potra is Bridget, you mentioned like the, the slot chances and chances in front. And like, that's what Montgomery highlighted as well. And it's those become more likely when you're spending too much time in your own zone, because any coach will tell you like the longer a team has to defend, the more likely they are to start to make mistakes. And so for me, like that comes back to, the Bruins aren't getting out of their zone enough. They're not spending enough time in the offensive zone when they have the lead. They're getting too conservative. They're doing too much defending. And when you get pinned in your zone for a 45-second shift, like mistakes are – no matter how good your structure is, it's going to start to break down. Guys are getting tired, and that's how you end up leaving someone alone in front for a rebound or a slot shot or whatever it might be. 